poppin'? What's good? Welcome to the Ringer NBA show, the Monday edition. My name is Logan Murdoch. I'm a staff writer at the Ringer. I am joined as always by Don't do fellow it. staff writer, Don't former do NBA player, former lockdown defender, always rocking the open toed sandals in January. He got the pock baldy going on right now that he claims that he cut himself. It's Roger Bell. What's good, bro? I'm chilling, bro. I had a nice lineup yesterday. Um, self self done. Uh, you lined it up? I lined it up, bro. But it just, you know, you know, it's not one of those. I don't have a blade. Like, I don't have an open blade. So it was kind of a soft lineup. You, mm. you can relate. I, you, I can't talk to my wife about this. She doesn't yeah, see yeah. the difference between a, a crisp line and a soft line. Yeah. So it was sufficient for the crib. But, like, once I figured I had to hop on with you, I had to, we had to get rid of that. Dang. So it must have been kind of sus then. It was a so, it was a solid soft line. I didn't have a nice, you know, there was no sharpness to it though. Yo, were you the like the the team barber like during uh, during training camp or anything like that? Did you, did they have those when you were playing? You know, because I I know they didn't have like the barber on site like they do now. Did were you the person that kind of got the team nah, right? No, that was not me. I didn't have one um, when I played on any team in the NBA. Carlos Arroyo, shout out to my man Carlos. Uh, was our team barber in college though? He ha- he handled okay. all haircuts. Okay. Do you have a? Did you have a per? So you never had a personal barber? Personal barber, man. What yeah, are you, man? No, dog? Look, I I played on. You 10 ever days, flew out man. a barber? Or nothing I like had that? I had two. So I one time I was in L.A. right, um, and Grant Hill. I needed a cut bad, and I had never really went to L.A. needing a cut. So Grant sent like a a cat like his barber to my room to give me a, and I was basic cable. So it was just a basic, like, you know, kind of tape out the neck and, you know, line it up tight. My man was like, yeah, that's going to be 150. I said, what? I was like, never again. Tax. I'll be right. I'll be right at your barbershop waiting like everybody else. Bro, not even get an appointment. Just like, yo, I'll be right here. I'll, it's all good. I'm walking. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> now that's so triggering, bro. Cause haircuts have gone from like when I was, even when I was a kid to like ten, fifteen dollars to now they like thirty, thirty-five. You over here gotta do like their special uh powder you gotta put on your head now for lineups. <laughs> they doing an extra like shaving. I don't even know what's going on. I miss my ten dollar haircuts. I know that's right. With a cigarette and like a Hawaiian punch, right? And like yeah. that was my barber experience, bro. He could stop at any time to just like have a smoke. When you gotta just charge it to the game when he start talking. You just yeah. got to charge to the game. You're going to be there for an hour, no matter if it's a line or an actual cut. You've built that into your day, so you already know. You already knew what it was. Right. <laughs> this is this is the content you can only get on the Monday edition of the Ringer NBA show, part of the Ringer <laughs> Podcast Network and Spotify. Make sure you tap into all of our other Ringer NBA shows, the Mismatch group chat. Even, the, even we do instant reactions, Roger. You weren't there on Friday, but me and Kevin O'Connor – we did it. We did an instant reaction emergency show. You need to tap into that. All y'all need to tap into that. There we go. You know what I mean? Let's get it right into it. The Clippers are some J cats. Right I feel now. like you take pleasure in this. Like you are getting. Enjoy I'm not. This I'm not taking pleasure in this. Okay, I, 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 I'm gonna keep it a buck. I am taking pleasure in being right. I, I do like that. You know what I mean? I will say that. I'm not. I'm just. They are who we thought they were. They are some J cats. They are acting like. Some real, they're fumbling the bag, all sorts of bags. They stuck their chest out. Remember in Summer League, Roger? The Clippers stuck their chest out. They walked in front of LeBron and AD and Kuz, gave the dab, but like it was like the it was like the uh the Tupac dab from Juice where he looks into the camera like, uh. Mm-hmm. They did mm-hmm. all that. 
They talk so much mess about load management. We're going to be all right. L.A. our way. And they're about to fumble the bag before they even get to play the Lakers in the conference finals. So uh, you, you were correct um, in reading kind of the situation on this. Look, you have some cats that can can do it. And I, ta- I talk about this all the time, flipping switch, flipping us that like proverbial switch from like we didn't play great throughout the year, but come playoff time, I'm going into like LeBron mode. I, I like LeBron does that. Kawhi can miss 30 games during the regular season and and be like as locked in as he ever was and be ready to go in the playoffs. Not everyone can do that, right? And so I think the Clippers may be um, a casualty of having a bunch of cats who thought it was just going to be cake and your star, he can he can do that. Like Kawhi is fully capable, but I don't even think Paul George is capable of that. He's been, like playoff P has been pretty good, but I don't think he can flip that switch. And so you're playing with fire when you're going through the regular season being as, as inconsistent as they were up until the break. And then, you know, coming into the bubble, you've kind of looked the same way. It's not like you've even really hit a, a true stride like the Miami Heat have, if you will, like since the bubble started. And so they're, they're you know, yeah, you, you were right. Hey, what can I say? You know the biggest difference between Kawhi and LeBron and all those other big names you named instead of like the Paul Georges and all these other things, all these other people on the Clippers. You know what the biggest difference is? Hmm. Kawhi and LeBron are champions. They can afford to act that way. You know what I mean? They've been there before. They know what it is. And that was just my biggest oomph. Like, I, I, I think the, I love the Clippers and how they are um, constructed and all these things. I love it. You know, they have basically two teams. They have a bench and then they have a starting unit who can compete yeah, with theory. each other. In theory. In theory, theory, right? In theory. But I don't get, I just don't get why they, not. there's no sense of urgency. And then there's times where they play incredible defense. They lock down for quarters at a time. They've even done that in stretches this series and games that they've lost against the Nuggets. Right. And we're speaking on this after the uh, Clippers lost two straight games and they've lo- they lost game six to to the Nuggets to force a game seven that will be played on Tuesday. I don't, I just, I just don't get it. I just, I feel like that they need to lock in and they just never do on an extended period of time. All right. Well, let me, let me ask you a question. Cause you're, you're, you're right. Okay. Dang, I hate, like, I don't like having to say you're right over and over again, but you've painted me into a corner here. Okay, here we go. Um, what you're describing isn't just a, a player issue. Well, in fact, like, you're right about the players not having won championships, and and it is really hard if you haven't to know exactly what it takes. I would say the consistency, what you just described, a consistent effort, um, you know, not being the Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde type of team throughout the regular season, that's not all on players, right? Some of that falls to your your culture, your coaching. Like, how much of it do you put on Doc at this point um, and how much is just on the players uh, thinking there's something they're not well that's something that we've a lot of criticism we've heard in the wake of this latest loss is Doc Rivers Doc Rivers is one is a top five coach in this league I don't think that there's any denying that we saw what he did last with last year's Clippers team I think the biggest thing that I am concerned about is when you talk about I don't know how to get that energy back or I don't know what's going on with the energy level right now in the playoffs. This is the the semifinals. This is the Western Conference semifinals. You are the second best team in the West. You guys have championship aspirations. 
you don't you don't need to have to find the energy. It should already be there right now. And that's what's concerning to me. Uh, yeah. So I, I'm with you and I think Doc is an excellent coach. Um, I do think excellent coaches can find themselves in a situation where the, the message that you preach isn't getting through the way it used to for one reason or another. I, I attribute this one to the personnel moves that they made in the, in the off season. For me, it's kind of like last year's Celtics team. When in 2018, you had a group of guys that were uh, us against the world, a bunch of nobodies, so to speak, um, all bought into the way they had to play to be successful. And Brad Stevens was really successful in preaching a message to that. Then you brought in a star like Kyrie, right? Um, and it just, changed the dynamics in your locker room. It changed the way guys were going to organically approach playing every game because there's cachet there. I've achieved. Like, so I'm not going to like necessarily buy in to have to do it, have to do it like this. And so I, you know, at the time when they brought Kawhi in, well, I know you need Kawhi and I know you need Paul George to eventually get over the hump and win the championship. You really are playing with fire there in terms of changing that chemistry that you had last year. And I think you changed it. You were a, a grit and grind type of basketball team last year but for everything you got. And you were able to kind of exceed expectations with that. When you brought in an upper echelon type of player, I think Doc kind of lost, he lost the message in there. But there's a thing like you, what do you do? Not go get Kawhi and, and PG? No, no. Like that, that's the conundrum that you face, right? You Correct. have to figure out how you're going to adjust and keep that mindset going. And I, I still think, I don't think that Doc needs to be fired necessarily. I think that he's a great coach and I think that he sh he can build with this team. But this 2020 and the 2015 season are all, both on his resume. If he loses on Tuesday night, that means that two 3-1 leads lost during his tenure, right? Yeah, that's that's a fact. Like if Doc loses tomorrow night. I'm not saying he deserves to be fired because I don't believe that. I'm a big believer in it's his first year with the team. Give him a second year to figure it out. But he's opened himself up then for the critics to be heard. You know what I mean? Like there's some there. You've now given them some um, some you've you've given some value to what they're saying. Yeah, but I think Doc is a one of those foundational type coaches that stays with the team for years I, I think that he his resume speaks for itself. Um, I feel like he should he should be able to stay no matter what happens. No, I'm with you, but there's validity. Like that's the yeah. word I was looking for. Like when you when you have your critics, um, and you and I are sitting here defending if he should lose in a game seven, and you got the two three one comebacks on your on your resume. Yeah. Like yeah, there's validity now. Like we have to at least have the conversation. That's true. I, one of the things that he's doing though that I just can't. I just can't wrap my mind around is he keeps putting Montrez Harrell back in the game. Montrez <laughs> Harrell during the season, during this series or during game six this is a poor our Kevin O'Connor. He was minus 20 in Montrez Harrell minutes. They are a minus 61 in the playoffs. Every time he got on the floor, the Nuggets made a run. What are He's you proposing? Right You're just proposing he stopped playing him. Yeah. All right, so here's where I... This is my beef, all right? Okay, well, and this is another I, thing. And I, I do want to have this conversation with you. I couldn't wait to get here. You get it. Let's get it. Let's get it. Let's get it. I just think that there is a reason why... And some people just can't... Be, he, they played him off the floor. Zubac has been better on the floor. Right. The numbers suggested and the eye test suggested, Roger. 
Let's get in your bag. Because I know I see you. I see you just rearing at the mouth. Just, ah, let's go. Let's get All it. All right. I, look, I, it is really difficult. Um, Montrose Harold's a six man of the year. Yep. Um, and he's produced for you for solid two years now. Like, I can't remember three years back. Um, yeah. But for two years, he's been a, like an integral part of what you what you do. He's kind of like the backbone of your of your mentality there, the type of guy, that the way your team plays. And he hasn't been successful in this series. I'm not arguing that the numbers don't support that, but this is where like analytics for me, um, like you got to be real careful with them. Like Doc, Doc knows his team. And, and it's hard for a guy to just break with that. I'm not saying that he... I'm not saying that he's right or wrong. I'm just saying as a coach who's like said, look, man, um, Logan is my guy. This is what Logan brings to this team. These are Logan's minutes. Like, it's really hard just because he hasn't been great recently to be like, all right, we're just scrapping that. Like, maybe, maybe he should. And it might be the downfall of the team. You might might bear out that you're correct in that. I'm just saying from a coach's perspective, you don't that's, a lot to, that's a lot to ask somebody to do, dog. Yeah, you, you do run the yeah. risk of really losing someone when you do that. I get that argument. And I I think just from a standpoint of he's just not – like, what do you do as a coach when that's – and that was one of the questions here. What do you do as a coach when one of your main contributors is unplayable? Like, what do you do? Because he's not he's not playing great defense. It's not been a strong suit of his just throughout his career. But he's also not giving you your offense. He's all – he's his – I think he, his um, points have gone down from 19 a game to 10. Yeah. He's not giving you your offense, and he's not playing defense. So what do you do? Yeah, I don't I mean what what I would do with 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 him is sit down and just have a real conversation about this one game like scenario that we're in and what I need you to do in these minutes. Like first of all, let you know that I that I got your back. Like I'm we ride with you, bro. Like you've been an important part of what we do. You're a part of this culture. We have faith in you, all right? Like for whatever reason it hasn't worked. But let me just show you how I need you um to affect this game. For for Montrez for me, you know, and, and after you say that, you can scale his minutes back if you need to, Logan. Like, you don't have to take them all away, but you could scale them back. Like, you could cut them by by 30% or so, and it'll he won't really feel that. But then you let him know, like, listen, it's about energy with you. Like, I don't need you to try to score 19 points a game. I need energy. I need you to affect pick and roll. I need you to affect the ball at the rim. I need you to be drawing charges. Like just submit to being an energy guy for a game. Cause his energy, you don't have it from a lot of places on that team. You know, you, you need that. So just dive into that role. And then offensively, we're going to keep it simple. Like we just want, we're, we're picking rolling with you. Okay. So you pick, get to the front of the rim. If you can get me eight there on, on, on finishes and maybe, you know, four more on offensive rebounds or free throws. We're good. Don't worry about shit else. Just do that. And then, feel him out as he plays the game, right? And so, like I said, if it's producing, you're straight. And if you're not, and if he's not, then you scale him back. But you can't just, you can't just sit him. But I, I don't know. But I think the argument, though, is if he's a good teammate, if he is, I don't even want to say good teammate because, you know, I, I don't want to go down that road. But if you say you're that guy, wouldn't you sit on the bench for the greater good? Because, you know, and I hate to bring this to the Lakers and the Clippers, you know, the little rivalry. <laughs> but Frank Vogel, saw how bad of a fit Dwight and JaVale were in that in that Rocket series and just benched them straight up. Not, neither right? one of them is sixth man of the year, bro. The, you, to answer your question, if you're a great teammate, you're going to do whatever a coach asks you to do 
to to win a game. It's like, more nuanced than that, though, man. Like, but it is, is more nuanced. Yes, because this is, I get what you're saying in the sense that Trez is thinking, I'm sixth man of the year. I can contribute. I am one of the best players on this team. In fact, I'm the reason or one of the reasons why Kawhi and PG wanted to come here because I was balling out of control last year. Mm-hmm. I and helped this build year. this. And, and this, this year. year. Yes. So I do get on that standpoint because you can still be a great teammate and think those thoughts. Uh, 100%. Just, he... I, I know where you're coming from, and I don't know that I even support my own argument by wanting him to play more. I'm just I'm trying to look at it from the coach's perspective. A really difficult because like this is my guy. Like there were plenty of times in my career where like Mike D'Antoni, like I'm 0 for 10 from the three point line in Oklahoma City, like or 0 for 9, and Mike D'Antoni is like, listen, the next and I'm down, and he could tell I'm down. My body language sucks, and he's like, you're a 40 percent three point shooter. Like, just keep shooting. I want you to shoot it every time you touch it. And I went 0 for 10. But then the next night in LA, I was like 7 for 9. And I got close. You know, the point was, without Mike having my back like that, like, he, I could have been lost. I don't know. But coaches, when, if he had just quit on me there, who knows what I could be for Mike. So I'm looking at it through that lens, and I'm looking at it through a player lens. And, you know, it's it's just... Not that easy, but I do support if the numbers don't bear it out, at least scaling it back some. Yeah, yeah. we'll see what happens. And I just think that adjustment just needs to be made, even just take his minutes down, because every time Trez was on the floor, the Nuggets were coming back. That's why they paid Dr. Big Bucks, though, bro. Figure it out. Yeah, man, it must be nice. Uh, <laughs> but I, I, I think that uh, I do want to hear about this, though, with you, with the Game 7s, right? They're going into a Game 7. This is a sour subject, as you know, Raja, but you have been a part of a team that has come back from a 3-1 deficit. Really? Yes. Yes, you are. That's strange. And uh, yes. We don't need to talk about against who or whatever, but (laughs) you did do that. (laughs) What is a mindset, one, when you're down 3-1 and then going into a game seven? Oh, man, down 3-1, you just got to get one. Like, we got to, you know. It is what it is, right? You're gonna if you don't get this one, you're you're gonna go home. And it's really, I always found the way the pressure f- like kind of flips from game to game in a series to be really interesting. Like, there's really no pressure on you down three one. I mean, you're supposed to lose. You know what I'm saying? So like, you go out there and you throw all your haymakers. Um, and are if people they, making trips? Are are they making nah, reservations? Nah. What about if when you're, you're down three zero? If you're down, yeah. If you're down, you're on three zero. It's a wrap. Um, but, but if you're a championship type of team, um, I, I wouldn't imagine now I was on some bad teams and we got down three, one, like we were the eight seed. I'm, I've got my vacation planned. Like, you know what I mean? Um, but three, one, no pressure, go out there, swing them. Um, and eventually the pressure. How was it when you guys were down, you know, three, one, two to Lakers and, and that see, all right. What happened in that Lakers series? Like, yeah. In the way I the way I see it, mm-hmm. like as the Suns, I don't think we've fully respected the Lakers. I know that sounds crazy because they had Kobe. Why and you all didn't that. put no respect on the Lakers? Well, no, I'm me, not. Why, how did y'all I, not respect the Lakers? Well, I'm gonna I'm get to like we. And this is look, I, I I didn't have a disrespect, but as I reflect on the way we treated it, um, the series that is like we were we were bugging out. Like we went out there for the first round with like with all of our wives, we stayed out like in Santa Monica at the Lowe's, which is a great hotel, but we don't normally stay there. Like that was more of like a vacation type of trip, right? Like everybody was out there, families and all of that. And then before you know it, you're, you're in a hole, right? Like you've lost and it's, 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 um, 
This, You're like, uh, well, quick, quickly, I just want to give context before we do this. This was the 2006 uh, first round against the Lakers. The Phoenix Suns were a two seed and the Lakers were a seven seed, but they had Kobe Bryant. They had Kobe Bryant. And so, I mean, we didn't make that call as a team, but and it didn't really register with me then. But Where do y'all normally stay? We would have stayed at the 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 Ritz uh, Marina Del Rey, or we would have stayed at the Beverly Wilshire. And for people who don't really know, because they're both like the the Lowe's is just on the beach, right? So like it's a little bit more vacationy, right? It's a little bit more of a vibe. Y'all was treating like a regular season game. Yeah, not even like real talk. We don't stay at that place during the regular season. We you would stay in a more com- confined env- environment where like we're we're here to play basketball. And I thought like we treated that. And the wives didn't come on every trip, right? So, like, the fact that you had your family and your wives there, you were staying at a different place, I think we took it for granted. So, you know, before you know it, we got popped in the face. But 3-1 is three one is 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 pressure on them. Let's come out and swing these bows. They'll get tight because they got to try to close us out. 3-2. Um, so, 3-1. Three 3-1 one, three yeah. one is the – let's do this for context because 3-1 was a home game for you guys, right? 3-1 was a home game, yeah. That's when you got into your little – you feel me? And um, how was that after game five? You guys, I think you guys beat the Lakers handily in game five. And then game six, you're going, you're at the hotel and Kobe's just going off. Yeah, that sucked for me. I didn't even get to stay in the hotel. They made me check out. Are you serious? Where'd you start? Okay, give me that story. What okay, <laughs> so like the Suns made me check out of my hotel. So I, I, um, I went across the street from the Beverly Wilshire to, um, I don't know what that little plaza is right there, but there, there was like a little restaurant upstairs. So I met my publicist and we watched the game at a bar. Like, wait, were you outside though? Like, did, were, or did you I have was, a little private room? Nah, I was sitting at the bar with just everybody, right? And so, what do people? What do people see? No you? one you're knew who I enemy was. Number one, no one knew who I was. So. We, this is a funny story, but a true story. Um, I go to the bathroom, I don't know, third quarter or some shit like that. And I'm I'm in there. A dude is washing his hands. So I'm waiting to wash my hands. And he's got a buddy standing by the door. And they still haven't recognized me, but he, he's got my name in his mouth. And he's talking shit about what happened with Kobe. And I'm standing behind him waiting to wash my hands. And he looks up in the mirror. And I was just... I was just ice grilling him. And he was like, he looked like he saw a fucking ghost. And I was like, oh man, it's all good, bro. Cause I'm not like that. Like on, on the court, I you am. You wanted to scare it, him a little bit though. Obviously. Yeah, I did. I did. I looked, I shot him the glance, but then I was like, no, bro, don't worry about it, man. It's all good. And so I went back and had my so beer. Like, he was like, watched. fuck Roger Bell, huh? Essentially. Yeah. He called <laughs> me some other, some other shit. And then, uh, we he, kept did, <laughs> he didn't call you out your name, did he? <laughs> yeah, he did. That would have been. He, no, he called, he called me. I don't remember verbatim what it was, but he said something reckless to his friend because otherwise I, I wouldn't even, you know, shot him to glance. But I, I shot it to him. He felt terrible. You could tell he was shook. And so I just fucking let it, I was I laughed it off and kept it moving. And when y'all so are you are you trying to contain your excitement when they're when the Lakers are like fumbling the bag? Because I think that that game six we went to overtime. The Lakers were supposed to win that game. Kobe balled out. Or were you going hard or were you like, yo, I'm a chill, I'm chilling, you know what I mean? No, I was I was uh, reserved, but but super excited. Like I was celebrating at the bar. I just wasn't like loud and obnoxious with it. You know what I mean? And then I quickly hopped in a, in a, in the car and beat the team to the to the plane. And there's mm-hmm. video somewhere of me like I've seen that video. Like, yeah, yeah, bugging out when I see him on the tarmac. Because okay. I mean, I could have fucked. I mean, I 
came as close to fucking up a series as you could come, like single-handedly. Wait, I do want to go back to game four. Yeah. The Kobe buzzer beater game. Kobe buzzer beater game. That's that was the, that's game. when he does the fist. He's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. What and was that game? That game was game four. Was it? Yeah. It was game, it was game four. four, huh? Okay. So when that happens, what's the locker room like? Are y'all stuck? Are y'all shook? You were shook. You were shook. Like you're you're in the moment right after the game, you're like, we've like we, this shit's a wrap. Not you're not saying that to each other, but everyone's having that. Like you're down three one. Like the immediate response is is like, oh fuck, we're this is this is a wrap. But you know, you you quickly realize that shit ain't a wrap. You get your little address from Mike and the rest of the dudes, and then you're like, well, you know, there's still life. Like we gotta. You know, we we just got to dig ourselves up out of this hole. But you it, down three one, dog. Like human nature is you 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 fuck well, this you up. You could see if you go look back at that clip of Kobe hitting it. There's like a pan to Tim Thomas, and then there's a pan to Steve, and they're both like just shell shocked. Yes, yes. Well, we we did not think there was a chance that we'd be in a series. Like we we I didn't. You know, um, and that was a tough. That was me and Boris. I think right. Like that was me with a hand up and Boris coming like over the top. Kobe yeah, made some yeah. credible shots. He hit that fadeaway, but the layup that he hit when he just threw it to the roof and it went in was crazy. He was a shot maker, bro. Like a, yeah. just an assassin, man, an assassin. Did you were you were on the Cavs when um when they came back from three one, right? No, I had resigned, but I was there. I went to the games. I took my boys up to the games. Oh, okay, were but you I in wasn't a, in the organization anymore. Oh, okay, okay. Well, what was it like seeing that though? Just were you in Oakland? You came up to Oakland and went to Cleveland, or did no? You just, I just uh, I was in Miami, so I was just going up to Cleveland to see the games. Um, oh, okay, okay. So you did. You, so how was that? Just to see all you know, all the old homies just win one like that. That was pretty cool, man. It was. It was. Uh, you know, because the year before that, uh, we felt like had we not lost Kyrie um, in Game One, like. We thought we should have won that. You know what I you mean? I had a two-one like, lead. Yeah, and not to mention, you know, Kevin Love went down early with the with the whole Kelly Olynyk. Like, I'm going to yank your arm out of socket. Why yep. doesn't that ever get the dirt like it deserves? But people like to say my shit was dirty. I was look, that man pulled somebody's arm out of socket, dog. Like, why doesn't that get, it happen? Um, but anyway, we felt like we should. I mean, won you clothesline a dude, but it ain't like you broke hurt his neck or anything. Correct. Correct. Um. <laughs> But we felt like we should have won. So to see those cats pull pull from three one was was um pretty cool. And then obviously I have relationships in Cleveland that that um made it that much sweeter for me to see the David Griffins, the Kobe Altmans, and Trent Reddins win. Um, but you know like what what you what you're doing there in a game seven, and what it boils down to is like LeBron's going to be LeBron. Um, Kawhi's going to be Kawhi. You know what I mean? Like. Nikola Jokic is going to be Nikola Jokic in the, in that game. Um, what can you do as like a, a complimentary player to support? Because it's going to boil down to a star being a star. Um, and then who can get the most support? And it doesn't have to be 30-point games. But in your role on that team, can you like compartmentalize and just see game seven and be the best player in your role that you can be because that's what's gotten you guys there and if you can go out there and execute it in a one game sample size like you really do have a good chance of your team winning if you if you're caught up in all the rest of the shit going on in game seven and you know i got i got i mean i gotta be dope i gotta get like if you start bugging out like you're gonna you're gonna to use a loganism you're gonna fumble the bag you can't you cannot fumble the bag don't do that don't fumble the bag Before we move on, Raja, let's hear a word from our sponsors. 
Today's episode of the Ringer NBA show is brought to you by FanDuel. We're teaming up with FanDuel again this football season, but we've got something new this time around. All season long, you can play the free Ringer Mega Contest on FanDuel. Here's how it works. Just pick five NFL games against the spread, including one double down pick. Get one point for every correct pick, and two of you hit your double down pick. FanDuel will add up your score every week, just finish in the top 100 on the season-long leaderboard to make the playoffs and compete for a share of $25,000. It's that simple. So I'm looking over the schedule, and these are some of the locks that I have. There's two matchups between black quarterbacks this week. We got Cam and Russell in Seattle. I'm taking Russell Wilson over Cam Newton. That's my lock. My other lock is Lamar Jackson and the Baltimore Ravens over Deshaun Watson and the Houston Texans. I really like the uh, the Ravens. They have a really solid defense with Marcus Peters and have a very dynamic quarterback in Lamar Jackson. And this is what I'm staying away from. I'm staying away from the Panthers and Buccaneers because I have no idea what Tom Brady is yet. I think you should stay away from that too. You can also get in if you miss week one. It's not too late. The top 100 make the playoffs to compete for a share of $25,000. Play the Ringer Mega Contest for free every week, only on FanDuel. Go to FanDuel.com backslash Mega Contest to make your picks today. That's FanDuel.com backslash Mega Contest. This episode is also brought to you by Square. You might know Square is that little white reader that you put on your phones, maybe your iPad. But Square has a lot more tools that can help your business, especially now that businesses are having to figure out when and how to make things work in this new normal. But businesses are stepping up to the challenge. For instance... Hot Sam's in Detroit has been in men's clothing for over 100 years. And for the first time in history, Hot Sam's is selling online. The team at Hot Sam's set up their online store with Square Online. They're selling their iconic fedora hats, as well as suits and jackets, with pickup or shipping. Hot Sam's is also using the Square appointments to let customers book services like phone consultations and in-store pickup times. So if you're a business owner, Square has the tools to help you shift your business, like Hot Sam's is doing. No matter what you're selling, it's easy to set up an online store with pickup, delivery, and shipping. Square can also help you accept appointments online for any virtual or bookable services you may have. Everything works together and it's all in one place. You just need a Square account to get started. See all the ways Square can help you with your business right now by visiting square.com forward slash go forward slash ringer MBA. That's square.com forward slash go forward slash ringer MBA. Now back to the show. All right, let's get into uh, the next series. I'm really excited about this. There's the Miami Heat and the Boston Celtics. Yeah. Eastern Conference Finals. This is going to be lit. Should be lit. I think that I'm on record saying that I have the Miami Heat winning this, this one going to the finals. Um, but I do want to get into some uh, who would you rather have. Let's get into this. Okay. You're going in a seven-game series. We're talking about this series, just this one. We're not talking about how old they, these players are. We're not talking about their ceiling. We're mm-hmm. talking about in this seven-game series, who are you taking? And then we'll go about who I'm taking. All right. Jason Tatum versus Jimmy Butler right now. Jimmy Butler, bro. And I'm taking Jimmy Butler because I know Jason Tatum has the probably the higher ceiling. I know, you know, Jason Tatum is a is a – is a burgeoning star in the NBA. Like I, I know Jason Tatum has all this upside, but right now Jimmy Butler is, is probably the most important player in that bubble. Like next to LeBron, he is. Ooh, and, and ooh. why like, you say that? What? Why you say that? Why next to LeBron? 
Because yeah. without without LeBron, like I don't give a damn. Like I like Anthony Davis, but without LeBron, the Lakers that shit don't work. Um, Jimmy Butler is the heart and soul of what the Miami Heat do, uh, does. He he is the glue of that team and the best player of that team in in terms of of like personality, um, the way they're going to conduct themselves when they're on the court, the culture that they try to exude. And so, if his scoring is off. I know he does everything else to impact the game. If Jason Tatum doesn't score, I don't like watching that Toronto series. Like he looked confused and he didn't look like he had the same impact on the game. Yeah. I, I really like, I really like Butler in this situation. Mm-hmm. And I really want to pick Tatum because of all the things that you said, but this is about this series. This is sure. about this. And there's something about, as you know, just being there. Yeah. It's something about being there before and knowing what the, what the playoffs are like. And not to say that, Tatum doesn't. He's obviously had big, big, big series in the playoffs. It's one thing to say that you've been there before, but also seeing the light at the end of the tunnel. Like, Jimmy is closer to the end of his career than he is at the beginning. And that plays a role. So I'm taking Jimmy in this. I'm with you. It's an experience arc, right? Like, where are you in your experience? And and I think Jason Tatum is, is, is still on the upswing. Like, he's got some more, you know, failures and successes to, like, round out who he is. Jimmy Butler knows who he is in the playoffs, though. You, go, you put that in the bank. Let's go another one. Jalen Brown or Bam Adebayo? Hey, yo. You go first. I'm going Jalen Brown. Mm-hmm. And I know people don't really are going to say that because, you know, Bam is the flavor of the moment. But Bam, I mean, I, I would say Jalen because he has a more refined game at this point in his, in his career. It is what it is. That's the type of player he is. I think that he can get you to jump shot. He can he's, he has a three-point shot that he that he has gotten so much better at. Bam. He has a quirky little little mid-range game. He can't really extend out. I'm going Jalen for this series. Bro, I'm I'm with you again. I love what? Bam out of, I'm with you again. I love Bam out of bio. Yeah. I think Bam here's here's the problem when you put Bam against if you would put Bam against um Tice, then it's a no-brainer. I'm taking Bam, right? But in a series where you don't really have a Giannis or somebody like that on Boston. And I think it's going to be a wide open. Both teams want to have playmaking, shot creating, like players. I, I, I'm with you. I think Jalen's better in that space. I think he's, you know, he's a dynamic athlete at the rim. He held the Celtics down, um, you know, through the playoffs offensively. Could have been an All Star in his own right this year. Um, I'm just ta- in this series. I'm taking him. If you're talking about like, you know, Bam or Jalen over the course of a career. You know, maybe I maybe I take Bam, but for this series, I'm going to take J- uh, Jalen. I mean, there's a case for Bam, though. He's the only one in this series that can c- initiate offense from the post. Though. But will they, though? That, see, I think that's why I'm taking Jalen, right? I don't see either one of those teams you really think, trying to play like that. You don't see them like working that. through? You don't see them working through Bam at all? I, sometimes, but not enough to, like, dictate the outcome of the series. Like, they're not going to just go Shaq 1999 on you. You know what I mean? Uh, that's true, but still, like if you need it, it's weird how the post how the post trust, game has gone. You trust Bam out of bio, like down the stretch. You just give Bam the ball on the block, and that's what no, you're going to do. Absolutely not, absolutely okay. not. I'm All giving right. the ball to Jimmy Butler for the last seven minutes of the game every time. There we go. Let's go, Kimba or Dragic. I'm taking Goran Dragic. I'm taking yeah. yeah. Are you serious right I now? I am serious right now. Look <laughs> what that man's look what that man's done in the bubble, yo, bro. bro this is the like, thing, bro. This is the maybe, Phoenix maybe, bias right now. No, this is the no, Phoenix no, no, bias, no, 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 no. and I don't, I don't. I don't know how I feel about this. Bro. Dog, look, and I'm, I, I mean, I, I could say this in, in the same breath. I like Kemba. 
Kemba looked out of sorts in that entire series. Hit some timely shots in game seven when he got open, partly because of like the box and one they were employing on him. But I think Drogic has really hit his stride for for the Heat. And and what he does, especially when he's making threes for them, um, really complements the rest of what they have. So I I'm gonna take I'm gonna take Goran in that. I'm taking Kemba, man. Oh, I ain't mad at you. Kemba led has led multiple fran- like multiple franchises as their guy. To what? He's gotten farther than uh, than Goran Dragic was as the guy. What, what is that a fact? <laughs> where where is Kemba? Where has Kemba gotten? <laughs> I am a Kemba fan, but I know you're going to have to prove that one. Yeah, he's gotten it. Nah, you're right. Okay. Yeah, I'm trying to make this 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 this, now, this Kemba case. Man. You can take Kemba, but don't do that. I, I'm taking Kemba though. I'm taking <laughs> right. Kemba. I'm saying right, I'm taking Kemba. <laughs> That's a bet. That's hey, look. I'm taking Kemba, bro. That that one is 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 a toss up. Like Bam and Jalen for me. Um, I think Jimmy Butler. I think honestly though, man, you could take either one, Kemba or Dragic. I'm trying to make this case for Kemba. There you go. Do it. Do it. Did Goran Dragic have a Final Four the way Kemba did? No, he did not because he did not play in college. He had a Slovenian four. (laughs) Did he? Were you part of the scouting on that? Did you scout the? Oh man, uh, uh, that's funny. All right, no, all right. Let man. me let me do one. Let me do. One. I'm gonna tee you up, bro. I'm gonna tee right, you up. up. So you don't steal the the coach Stevens or Spo. And this is these are two great coaches, bro. Like who? This is listen. I am inclined to take Spo just off GP, mm-hmm. but when you really like analyze it, it's really a toss up, bro. Is, um, I, I'm taking yeah. Spo. Yeah, I. I but. Brad Stevens has never had the talent that Spo has had. Brad Stevens has never had the talent that Spo has had. Yes, that's a fact. Like you've had, yeah, that's of fact. Course, of course, you had D Wade alone, and then you had D Wade, LeBron, and Chris Bosh. Uh, even if I wanted to, I couldn't debate that. So you are you're correct. Um, I would say that even when Spo had teams that didn't have that talent, always competitive. I live in the Miami market. Um, I'm always hearing them like lobby for a tanking situation. And it doesn't matter. Like they're always competitive. They're always a team where you're like, damn, like the heat, the heat could knock somebody off. Like, so I'm taking Spo too because of the championship pedigree though, bro. No one, everyone gives the um, benefit of the doubt to the coach that overachieves with his roster, right? That, that does it, that wins without a star. Mm-hmm. I'm giving more credit to Spo for winning with the stars that he had. You're Ty Luing it? You know what I mean? You're Ty Luing that. You remember that, right? When Ty yes. Lue said it's a harder job. It, I don't know if it's a harder job. I mean, I, I'd assume it's a harder job. All I've been around is winners, but, you know, I don't know. <laughs> I would say, though, that he deserves more credit, Spo does, dealing with LeBron in that first year because LeBron at that, that was the most stable coach that LeBron has ever had where the organization was like, hey, bro, you're going to have to chill out. Yes. Right? They were, they, and they all harbored a little resentment for the way it was handled. I know that for a fact. Like I've, I talked to some of them dudes, like the way the heat worked kind of wore thin on some of those cats. LeBron, when he got to Cleveland, wanted his guys back in the building and on the planes. And that was a big reason like why that. he left. Yeah. But it, it worked to your point. It worked. Like they, they got, they got it. They had they the singular focus. I'm going to say, I'm going to say Spo in this instance. I can't argue. I'm going to Spoh too. I think you've got championship. Why are we pedigree. agreeing so much, Raja? Well, because you find that. I mean, you're having a good day. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> All right, bro. All right. Bro. <laughs> oh, 
shit. Yo, man. Go ahead. Let's get, I have one more. All right, go ahead. Can we get to the next segment? Smart or Tyler Hero? Marcus Smart. I'm taking Tyler Hero. Yeah, okay. Go ahead. Let's go. Make, you want me to make like, the case? We always do this stuff, and I know we're, I know this is a pro Boston Celtics site that we're on, but I, mm-hmm. damn it, I got some stuff to say. Go ahead, yeah. Let it off your Marcus chest. Marcus Smart cannot so. shoot the way Tyler Hero does. All he has is the intangibles, and that's what Boston Celtics fans just love. Just, oh, my goodness. He's the big intangibles guy, right? Yep. Tyler Hero gets buckets, ladies and gentlemen. That's why I'm picking Tyler Hero. Tyler Hero is a really good young player. Um, he's 2021. 20, really good young player, man. Super talented. Got he he has some dog in him. Yeah, he's a at best serviceable defender right now. That's at best. I and I that I'm I'm probably giving the benefit of the doubt there. He does make shots, but I would tell you, Marcus Smart has been making shots, bro. Go look at the last series against Toronto, like Marcus Smart has been holding it down um, from the three-point line from from game to game. And he is the guy that is going to... You need so intangibles if, guy? If, but if, again, I would ask the question, if Tyler Hero, the same way I said about taking Jimmy Butler over Jason Tatum, if Tyler Hero isn't making shots, what impact is he going to have on the game? Fair point. I, I don't know. And so I'm going to go with a cat that can fill both boxes for me. He's going to possibly get buckets, but if he doesn't, I know he is going to disrupt some shit defensively. There's real I, AAU dad vibes in this one right now. You know what I mean? You love the kid. I bet you love the kid that is four of 14, no, but he gets you team. eight rebounds and four steals. And It's it's funny because that's not even how I coach. Like, I, I'm, I, I would make the case for him on the pod, and then I come back and contradict myself, like, in my Are own game. Are you Roger D'Antoni on the AAU scene? Nah, dog. Like, we're getting buckets. You give me the kid who can get buckets. I'm good. We're good okay. to go. I'll figure it out. Are you wait? But are are you the guy that's like you know just are y'all running set plays and stuff? You know, like Kobe was running the triangle on his AAU team. Yeah, listen, my, yes, but when my kids were in the third grade, not that we're talking about, like I believed in teaching them how to play offense. So we come down, we we know how to diagnose defenses. Like my kids know when they see an odd fronted zone, what they're going to do when they see an even fronted zone, how they handle it. If it's man to man, we run we run Utah sets. Like we we run Boston. You so know, there ain't secondary. no like just, we run, just pick and roll every every time down the floor for you. No, we'll go pick and roll when we got the when we got a big who can't defend. We'll go pick and roll, but like we're running we're running sets to get easy buckets, right? And then our D is we're a lockdown D team, so we're we're creating offense with defense. But but when we get in that half court, we run offense, bro. Okay, so you do you want a Marcus Smart type on your on your team? Yeah, I do. Okay, I need a disruptor, man. I need somebody out there that's just he's in the shit. Okay. You need somebody that's with the shits and always in the shit. Okay. Always in the shit. Let's talk about Houston. All right. This is, this is low-key a flex right now. Houston lost in five <laughs> games to the Lakers. Okay. A couple of days after that, Mike D'Antoni becomes a what is reported as a coaching free agent. Early leader in the clubhouse for me, real one of the week, by the way, Mike D'Antoni. Is that right? That's gangster, bro. You ain't going to extend me. I'm a lame duck as a coach. Like, I, 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 I'm out. I'm a free agent. I love low key. He had a statement that I really like. It's been, a, I mean, it's an incredible sadness and gratitude that my wife, Laurel, and I announced our incredible journey in Houston has ended for now, and we will be moving on to a new chapter. That's so gangster. That's so gangster of a statement. <laughs> Mike, I so Mike, Mike, and Laurel, great people, bro. Great people. <laughs> a lot of gratitude that I'm leaving. A lot of gratitude. <laughs> <laughs> I Houston. I just. And, I, you know, I've seen them just from the other side. I have so many feelings on Houston. On the one hand, I think that they, during this last 
four or five year stretch are some real ones because they were the only team that was not scared of Golden State, mm-hmm. the biggest, the big bad wolf of the Western Conference throughout all these years. On the other hand, I am just disgusted with how they treat their people, man. D'Antoni was one of the best coaches, is one of the best coaches in, in organization history, got them to the conference finals, and you, I just don't feel like you you treat your 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 coaches like this. Yeah. You shit you on him. Like, you, you didn't extend him. You scrapped his whole roster. You handed him, like, small ball on the fly. Like, you, I mean, what was he supposed to do with that? Yeah. And then he's, and then he gets all that blame. Right. And you I'm can kind of tell it was, it was definitely some last dance vibes with him. You know, when he was talking about, especially for the Rockets team as a whole, this is the team that went all in to trade in, trade Russell Westbrook, trade for Russell Westbrook, threw away their whole future for this guy. Then that doesn't work out. Mike D'Antoni gets most of the blame. You have a new ownership group where Fratella, it's just not working. You know, this, I don't know how the finances are there within this in this global pandemic. I don't know what's going on. Yep. It's not good in Houston right now. Is this a, is this a an organization that is promising right now? Cuz to me they're not. No, they're not. There there's not there's not a lot of promise. Um look, there's not a lot of promise when you start with James Harden as as a phenomenal score when it doesn't matter. Like I I mean I don't I don't want to be that way but that's what that looks like to me when you score uber buckets through the regular season and through playoffs that are relatively easy series and then I've got enough of a sample size now of big games where it don't look like you want the smoke like you know what I mean and so that that is that's a problem in and of itself but let's just let's keep going like I will say this though I will say in the last in in the last elimination game he showed up nah. no yeah okay. I think he did yeah okay good and the that, last two, he showed up. The last two, yes. Go look at the go look at the go look at the stats for when they lost to the Warriors last year. Go ahead. All right, all right, okay, okay. So uh, apologies, James Harden. But here, how can you defend what happened prior to that? Like when when you have real opportunities and you don't want the ball. Like how do how do you defend that? And I've never been that guy. So like, forgive me for sounding like I know what I would do, but like I. I don't see a lot of stars saying, here, man, like the one time I remember it was when Kobe did it, but Kobe was saying F you. Like, you know what I mean? Like Kobe was, he was like, yo, all right, Phil, you don't want me shooting? I'll pass. Look, look what happens when I pass. Like it, I didn't get that vibe from James Harden, but anyway, we, another argument for another time. Like you, you got, you know, Westbrook who clearly doesn't play the way you want to play as a franchise, like he's not an analytically driven team. Like Daryl Morey, you're, anal- you're analytics 101. You're going to trade for the most analytically like incorrect player in the NBA possibly. And I love Russell Westbrook. I, I really do. I think spirit, like game, like, you know, not, like he just, he's an animal, but he doesn't fit what you're trying to do there. So, you know, that that's interesting. And then, you know, you just got a bunch of other pieces that, just are okay. You, yeah. I don't, what are you going to do? Yeah. Now, so Fertitta's money's all made in restaurant. He's a restaurateur, dude. Like yeah. his pockets are bleeding right now. Has you to be. Has to be bleeding. What are you going to do? I, I don't know. Just, and, and that's another thing. I do want to talk about Russell Westbrook for a second. He didn't 
He shot 40% from the field, tw- not even 25% from three-point range in the conference semifinals. Yeah. You juxtapose that with Chris Paul, who, who he was traded for, averaged 21 on 48%, and nearly could have beat, nearly, you could make the argument, should have beaten the Rockets. Mm-hmm. When you take that sample size, it's tough to justify having to pay Russell Westbrook a hundred over a hundred and thirty million over the next three years. What do you do? And I, I do want to I do want to preface this, and I do want to make sure that you know Russell did say that he was you know going through injuries during this time. Did say he had COVID. I mean, he did have COVID nineteen, which we both know. You know, just from experience, that's a not that we had it, but more so of just people that have been around us, right? Yes, who have had it. It's a tough thing to go through. It's not just a a regular flu and you just straight like there are lingering effects from everything that we've read and everything that we've seen, you know, that this is not a virus to be messed with. I, I hate to say I'm going to give Russ a pass because I'm not a like, by nature. I don't love giving everybody a pass, but what you can't what you cannot tell is how much of that physical I I, I haven't seen a player look great physically. Um, and then five months later, come back and just not look like he was the same guy um, unless he wasn't able to like do what he needed to do to stay in shape. Now, you know, once you're older, older, older in your career, stuff starts to happen. But, you know, my experience with people who have had that virus saying it lingers for a while, I have to account that in for have to at minimum, not being able to like train the way you need to train to, to be in the type of shape you need to be in. Having said that, Off he wasn't that very alone, good. He said he couldn't train for 20 days. Like the, the coronavirus alone, Aside, if a professional athlete can't train for 20 days leading up to a season, that's a big deal. It's a big deal. That's a huge deal, dude. Like you don't, you know, you don't get that time back and, and you're, you know, training is building off of the day before that. So you're, you're, you're behind, you're behind in a big way. Um, I think if you're the Rockets though, Logan, I'm being, uh, you know, just, you're going to have to philosophically change the way you play to incorporate Russell Westbrook and get the most value out of him while still maintaining like the value that that James Harden brings to the table, right? And so that's going to require a lot of roster turnover. I don't know that you you don't have anything to go out and make any real splashes, but you got to find some of those fringe players that are more complementary in, in, in terms of the style that's going to get the best out of both of them. I don't, you know, that's the best way I could put it. I have a question for you. All right. We know that they the Rockets have mortgaged their entire future for Russell Westbrook. Who hasn't played well in the bubble? In, in, in the bubble. In the bubble. Hasn't played well in the bubble, but also hasn't played well in the postseason over the last few years. Okay, fair enough. Do you just say, if you're an executive, do you just say, someone says, "Yo, I'll take Russ and James Harden off your hands and give you a boatload of draft picks"? Would you take that deal? I would take the deal. Oh, I would take the deal. Why would you take the deal? Saw old clip of Kobe um, on Instagram. I don't know if you saw it when he was sitting down with uh, who was he sitting down with? Tracy McGrady. I think Rachel Nichols was asking him about that style winning championships. I've said it too. Like it's not it's not winning. Like you're not you're not winning. Mike came as close as you could in the series that you alluded to against Golden State. Like you you don't you don't maintain that window of opportunity. You give me a franchise that's had his window open. You know for for five, six, seven years that doesn't have somebody named LeBron or MJ or Tim Duncan, or, or Tim Duncan right? Like, you, you know, and so I just think if you're the Rockets, you're faced with, all right, do we want to stay exciting? 
and say that we have like one of the best scorers in the league on our team, even though we're not going to win like that? Or should we start the quest, maybe get like financially less strapped and start building it maybe the right way? And at this point, I'm probably building it the right way. Building off that, when did you, when do you know that a run is over from personal experience? Or an opportunity is done. I think for me, it was for, for me with the Suns, it's the only real experience I have because I was, you know, a journeyman. So I wasn't around long enough in some of those spots to really. The run started to be over for us when turnovers started to take place, like mm-hmm. like major turnover. Like, so it was Mike D'Antoni. We lost the, the coach, right? And now Mike's gone again. It was when Sarver says in, that I'm not giving you no bread. Yeah, it was such a shitty move. Such a shitty move on. Like, it was within his rights to do, but he executed it so poorly. Um, <laughs> they he said it before went, the meal, which is wild. It was so, oh, just so, like, man. And and then, you know, we brought in Shaq, which is a major, you know, it's 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 not the way you're we were playing, right? And so you start to see philosophically that, that like, everybody isn't aligned. And that's kind of when you started to feel it. I didn't know it at the time, um, but when Terry Porter came in and it was obvious that, like, you know, we had a, we had, you know, we called it pistol, you know, or we called it 21 um, under Mike's vernacular. It was just a play where, you know, Steve kicks it ahead to me. I flip it back to Steve. I come off a flare screen. They run into screen and roll with Steve. Um, it's basic NBA action, but just the vernacular. We were told when Terry came in, we were going to keep almost everything the same, but he was just going to have a little bit more defensive backbone. Well, Terry Porter sat it down in like the first meeting at University of Arizona in training camp and began telling me and whoever else, that's a bad shot. We can't shoot that shot. Like, this is a bad shot. We can't. Sh-. And you're like, wait, that's what Mike wants us. Like, that's what we were based on, you know? So yeah. you are philosophically changing the way we play. Probably time to go, you know, figure something else out. And I feel like the the Rockets kind of did that. Yeah. Yo, honestly, it seemed over last year. Yeah. When, when they lost. I thought that I thought two years ago was their best shot where they lost and, you know, they fumbled a bag in a game seven because I think they they won the 2018 finals if they beat the Warriors. I I, I think that they sweep the um, Cavs as well. But I think it's over, man. And one of those things that you see after a playoff loss is people always want to tell you what you should or shouldn't be doing. Mm-hmm. And the rap on James Harden is – you know, it ain't go, it's going to be all right. He's going to hit the club after this. He really doesn't care. Right? <laughs> right. And they lost the game, and there was a picture that surfaced at, uh, at, at, with, alongside the good folks at Turkey Leg Hut in Houston, a fine establishment in Houston. I'm not sure if Turkey you know. Leg Hut? Yes. Okay. And it's James Harden living his best life at a table. He's throwing up the peace sign, smiling. Right? Right. Is that a big deal? It's absolutely not a big deal. I I get it, man. Basketball junkies, or just not even basketball junkies, excuse me, but fans in general think that, like, because you lose a game, your life is supposed to end for, I don't know, whatever their required amount of grieving time is for the season. Listen, man, I did my best. Like, I, I tried to win. We lost. My life goes on. I got shit to do. I got places to be. Like, I'm not sitting around. Like, I don't have to feel great about the loss, but that doesn't mean I got to hole up in my house and become a hermit because, like, you think I need to. Did, I'm did, the- you, did that ever happen where you was just outside after y'all lost and people was like, what are you doing, Roger? Why aren't you, why aren't you serious about the game? No, I, ne- I never got that because I would have told somebody in no uncertain terms to 
to back the F up. Like I, I look my, I try my heart out. <laughs> here we are. What are you doing, man? Your baby needs diapers. Why are you out here? Um, but no, I didn't get that, but I understand that there are a lot of people that feel that way. And, and I just look, man, it's, it's our job. We, you know, like you don't go home if you don't execute the right, like trade and, and, like not show your face for three days. You know what I mean? Like if you're a stockbroker or something, that life goes on, bro. You keep it moving. So I don't have a beef with that at all. I don't have a beef with it either. Let's take a quick break. And we're going to pour out some liquor from the Houston Rockets. We are back. I got my, I got my smart water here. I think um, Raja, he's on a different time zone. He got some Hennessy over there. Mm. We are welcoming a guest. We, we, it took us a long time to try to search and pry and find this guy. We, we found a Rockets fan, Sean Yu, friend of the show, producer at The Ringer, in charge of all of our video content. He's here to vent and to hopefully pour out some liquor and get some stuff off his chest for his beloved Rockets who have fumbled the bag yet again. <laughs> Sean, thanks for coming on the show, bro. The floor is yours. Talk about your Rockets. Um, Logan Raja, first off, thanks for having me on. Thanks for allowing this um, therapy session um, that we'll be doing this morning. Uh, look, here, here's what I'll say, and here's what I'll say for every year since 2012 when James Harden got to the Rockets is that um, the fact that we've even been in these quote unquote championship level discussions is a win in my mind. It, it, we, we shouldn't have been there. We shouldn't have been in these conversations, especially during the warrior saga and the fact that LeBron James is still in this NBA. We should not be here. And yet we are, and we are being talked about as the secondary tier between the top two or three teams. And so for me, I, I, as an optimistic fan, see that as a win. What, continues every year since 2012 continues to eat at me and deteriorate my soul at times is the general public reaction towards the Rockets. And look, half of that is warranted and that is warranted in the style of play and the way um, three main guys, Russell Westbrook most recently, but James Harden and Eric Gordon continue to play in terms of searching for calls and asking for calls on countless number of plays. I totally get fan frustration and how aesthetically unpleasing the Rockets may be at times to watch basketball. But there's at times a level of hate that is extremely unwarranted to players like James Harden, who is being double is being doubled in every series since last year, maybe even two years before that is surrounded by role players whose only job is to play defense and hit threes and Days, there are days where they'll play defense, but there's days they won't hit threes, vice versa. And on top of that is every time they bring in a superstar for him, quote unquote superstar, you see Chris Paul last year who, you know, gets injured, his hamstring, you know, his hamstring fails him and he, he struggles at times. He probably should have, we probably should have won game six and game seven against that Warriors team. And then, and then you come back to this year, flash forward to this year where Russell Westbrook disappears. He completely disappears for both series. And you can say what you want about his quad injury. He's still out there on the floor and he's still unable to dribble. And so for me, a lot of it, 
of the frustration of Harden. Yeah, I'm sure in my mind, a quarter of it, I understand it, but there's a lot of hate that is unnecessary and warranted. And he has just become the scapegoat for a lot of people on NBA Twitter. And so for me, I personally, we were never going to beat the Lakers. We were never going to beat the Clippers. Wow. Five games. I, I look I, as a fan. I would have loved to see six or competitive six or a competitive seven, but we didn't get that. And am I unhappy? Yes, but I, I'm just more angered and unhappy with the the fan reaction, which happens constantly year in and year out to Houston fans, especially Rockets mm. fans. And Houston fans are the victim. And no, I, look, look, I, look. I I am only a Rocket fan. I'm not from Houston. I have no affiliation with Houston. So on that, re- I'll go on record. I will say, fuck the Houston Astros for life. You know, that's just like what I'll say as a Yankee fan. But with the, but with wow. the Rockets going back to Basel, it's just, it, it, I don't know. Like people hate what, people hate new things. And whatever the style of basketball that people are, are not willing to accept yet, um, I think people should recognize that this is already happening and people are already changing. The fact that the Lakers adjusted to the Rockets game plan and did not play a center means there's actually some change. Like they had to physically adjust their rotation and roster. So this change is Mm. happening already. But now again, will I, what my venting will lead to is uh, the off season is going to be a a, a freaking mess for the Rockets. Wow. Are you even going to be a Rockets fan by next season? Honestly, I don't know. I really don't know. Like (laughs) it it depends on how they decide to support and carry James Harden from here on out because that was going to go lead to my next question. Let's hear it. Yeah. I love, Before love we it. get to this, uh-huh. TD said, this is a hot take from TD, our producer. This has nothing to do with me or Raja. <laughs> These don't reflect our views at all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Harden is the perimeter Giannis, a.k.a. that shit don't work in the playoffs. Yo. Look. Whoa. And, and, okay. And I, I mean, that's a, that's a very fair take. Wow. It is, Whoa. in my mind. Because because for, for Harden's game, if you just look at it from a basketball standpoint, is... He's an isolation player. What happens when you double him? You, you that literally takes out his one part of the game. And regardless of how many pick and rolls you put him through, if they're either going to switch or hedge on every pick and roll and send two to three bodies and have a guy waiting at the free throw line, it's impossible for anyone to do anything. And you saw that with Giannis, they build a wall. It's impossible to do anything. Now, what he could do and what Kevin, Kevin O'Connor stated in our restart video on Mm. Russell Westbrook is is James should do what he did on the Thunder in, in terms of playing off ball more and being a guy who's running baseline, coming off of screens, not being at the middle or on the wing set pieces for each game. And that's a little bit of my frustration with Dan Tony is he's very much a guy who I'm sure Raja can speak on this is he's, I don't know if stubborn is the right word, but he, he picks a system and he sticks with that system and inevitably, that if that system doesn't work, you see it in every you know post game interview or every interview where he talks is, well, we're lacking effort, we're lacking spirit, we're we're missing out on a few plays here and there, blah blah. But he's never saying anything on an adjustment on his whole system. And I think that kind of open mindedness, especially in the postseason where you have to change and you have to adjust, should and probably could have happened. Um, and this year was, I, I thought, heading into the bubble the year where it might have because for the first time in D'Antoni's tenure, he built in set plays. During the bubble, we worked out, like the Rockets worked out two or three set plays with Russ and Harden, which they've never done. 
And in my mind, I felt very open-minded, but again, it, it's the playoffs and, you know, things happen. All right. Well, thank you, Sean. No problem. <laughs> what you got? What you got? You got we, I got the smart water. He got the heme. Well, what you pouring right now? What we got? Look, I, uh, I'm pouring one out for Dan Tony because I, I do love and respect him. I think he is a great basketball mind and I think he's one of the best player coaches in the league. Um, I am, am, generally genuinely sad to see him go i'm gonna also pour one out for daryl morey because he is one of the best gms in the nba one of the most open-minded one of the most willing to make moves i I read i was listening during the game that he made the most trades you know in the last three or four years some some crazy stat like that but and he follows me on twitter too which is like i feel very fortunate that's the only reason why you're doing this but okay no no no, (laughs) but but I'm, I'm going to pour one out because I'm pretty sure he's, he might lose his job. I'm pretty sure there's a chance that there's a clear, a clear overhaul with management. And, you know, I'll say this on record. Tillman Fertitta is a, is a nutcase and All right. a real, a real piece of shit. But I, I don't think, I don't think his basketball <laughs> mind is really going to help the Rockets out. And in his mind, he probably, he probably feels really embarrassed about how the Rockets played because he just sees things the way Twitter sees things and his owner brain is just going to be like, you're fired, you're fired, you're fired, clear house, mm. which in my mind, isn't the, isn't the best thing for the Rockets. So for Daryl Morey, if you do end up losing your job this offseason, just know we love you and we appreciate you. And we know that the best is yet to come for you. Cause you're a really smart guy. Um, yeah. And, and then the final one I'm going to pour out is um, cause I think James Harden is doing everything right in, in, for, for, given his abilities, you know, he's, he's improved his defense, but Russell Westbrook, um, this is for you. This is for you during your off season. I do love you. I do respect you, but you have a lot to work on and you have a lot to fix. <laughs> and, and I know, I know that's a lot coming from a guy, from a guy who just plays pickup, you know, here and there. And what do I know about basketball? But my guy, like, like you've, you've lost your physical peak. Your step isn't there. And so Oof. if you don't adjust your game in this off season, your career might not be as long as you hoped. And oh. you need to adjust your game. You need to, you right. when you, when you, you need to be smart enough to realize when your body is not doing the things it used to do, you have to change your, the way you play. And me as a 29 year old guy who plays pickup, I'm realizing that I'm realizing <laughs> where the game has, the game might have slowed down for me mentally because I've, you know, become a little smarter and older, my body is able to do the same things as I once was able to do. And the wise and smart players who have long legitimate careers are the ones who are able to realize that quicker than later. And I hope Russ in this off season, you, you do that and you don't, you don't stay a little too stubborn and prideful in your way. Well, that was Sean. You strong. That was very strong. Strong. Thank you for coming, man. You can uh, see his work. He does he does video work with uh, The Ringer and also The Restart with Kevin O'Connor. Tab in. It's time for Real One of the Week, Raja. No doubt. Where we shout out someone that exemplifies the excellence that we bring on the Monday Ringer NBA show. I got minds, but I want to give you, you, you the floor. Who is your Real One of the Week? Okay, well, I touched on Mike D'Antoni just because I, I did think that 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 was that was really gangster um, what he did there in Houston. But I'm going to give a a shout out to another former athlete turned media member. Um, I saw Ryan Clark the other day up on one of the shows he was on. Uh, he was talking about the fan response 
to the locked arms for the national anthem in the Kansas City uh, Texans game. Yeah. And the booing, um, there wasn't anybody kneeling, like there wasn't anybody doing any of the like quote unquote disrespectful to the flag type of things. It was just arms locked in unity. Mm-hmm. And he finally came out and said, you know, like what it is that the, why, the reason people were booing is because you were locked in arms for unity for black people. And like, I don't know why like that's so hard and why no one's ever said it. Like, but his point was like, if NFL players locked arms um, for like autism awareness or breast cancer or anything else that was a really good cause, cause he's been locked in arms with his brothers for those causes, that it's a celebrated thing. And just because of the reason for the locking of arms, like people booed. And I thought he was a real one for that. Definitely a real one for that. I loved all those points that he made. He made a really great point specifically with the, you know, locking arms, man. If it's breast cancer awareness, a non-controversial but great initiative. Yep. It would have been all good. And so we're one of the week for me is the queen, Naomi Osaka. Oh, yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. We're in the 2020 U.S. Open after massive a massive comeback to win that. But more importantly, she's a real one for me because she's using her platform, Raja. During her matches, she wore masks with the names of Breonna Taylor, Elijah McClain, Trayvon Martin, Ahmaud Aubrey, George Floyd, and Philando Castile. All people who have been killed at the hands of cops. Mm-hmm. And she, when you look at Naomi, she's nervous. But she absolutely knows her place in this world and what she can do to give voice to a lot of the voiceless. And I am so proud to see that from our athletes, especially one as young as she is. Um, She has been great with that. Um, Last month, she refused to compete um, at the Western and Southern Open after Jacob Blake was killed in Wisconsin. And she she only played after the tournament um, gave a, took a full day off in solidarity. So she is using her platform and she's winning. So shout out mm-hmm. to Naomi Osaka, killing it. And um, she also wore a Kobe Bryant jersey um, during all her games during the tournament for inspiration. Yeah, it's pretty dope. Shout out to Naomi Osaka, my real one of the week. All right, and that has been it for this edition of the Ringer NBA show, the Monday edition. Make sure that you tap into the other editions um, and the other shows on the Ringer NBA show, The Mismatch, which is on every Tuesday, and Group Chat, which is on Wednesday. And we got a lot of content for you there. And um, you can listen to all our podcasts on the Spotify network and wherever you get podcasts. And we will see you next Monday. 